It's good stuff. Hey, he's okay. Um, we have a paramedic in this church who's very experienced and his mum's here. So he's off uh, to hospital. He'll be fine. He, he's okay. He's awake. He's talking to us. Um, so all good. Hey, who, who says that Unihill Church isn't memorable, hey? Uh, I tell you what, that's not happening at any other church today, I hope. So uh, hey, I'd love to welcome you. Um, and I'd like to start by honouring our senior pastor, Pastor Nick. It's probably been the first service for months and months and months where he hasn't had to preach, hasn't had to carry uh, something. Let's give him a hand. Um, thank you for allowing me um, to do what we get to do here. We've got the new campus pastor at Victory Church, so we get the blessing of having him with us today. And actually, well, we'll see how we go. You might want to say something. You can do whatever you feel the Lord is calling you to do. Um, but I want to talk today um, from the subject of new creation. Uh, this, uh, for me, actually stemmed from this week uh, at Plenty Valley Christian School. We did a car wash. I was talking to the young guys about process, about uh, what it is to go through things. And um, this began to uh, unfold in my heart and, and something I felt uh, the Lord uh, wanted me to talk to you guys about today about who you are in Christ, who you've become because of Him. And at the end of the day, things work better when they're new. Can everybody agree with that? Has anybody ever had an old car? Like I'm talking old car. You may have heard a few of these stories before, but let me explain to you guys. I had a VN Commodore as my first car as an 18-year-old. And every European backgrounded male would agree that that is a good first car to have. Um, but it had sat still for about five years in my parents' uh, driveway. So when I got it, um, I spent a bit of money to get it roadworthied uh, so it could be insured. And um, I started my driving. But here's the thing. As an 18-year-old, you do things that you don't really think about. You just do them. For, for example, the car used to leak water inside when it would rain. So instead of sealing where it would leak, I drilled a hole in the floor of the car so that there was a plug for the water to go. Um, we could never sit idle in traffic. If you sit still in traffic, the car would overheat. So I'd have to be turning the car off and then turning the car on to move forward, which I reckon I was ahead of my time. Isn't that what the new cars do now? Then the problem is one day my starter motor went slightly awkward. Um, I had the car broken into several times, but they never took anything. They just got in there and were very disappointed uh, with what was in there. But I quickly realised that things work better when they're new, because they begin to fulfill the way that they were designed. It's been designed so that it could work a certain way. Now, as I was talking to these guys, I wanted to try and bring uh, the gospel message to them. But what I want to do this morning is I, I, I want to talk about the gospel message, but I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you guys want to begin to turn there. And I want to share from you one of the statements that he makes, which Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And he, he says, once we've found Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And we're talking about what has happened since they've met Christ, since they've become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. So let's read that and then we'll get into it today. So 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 12, it says this, We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Everybody say, in the heart. In the heart. Say it again, in the heart. In the heart. 
If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. Everybody say for him. Who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. That's good. They're my three points. And as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The old is gone, the new has come. So what is the old and what is the new? The old is pre-Christ, it's our nature. It's human nature. Now, if we look at this picture behind me, you can see the new car, can't we? Everyone can look at the new car. I wanted to try and find a VN, but no one's thought it's been worth restoring, uh, which is fine. But you can see the new car on this side. This is how the car, when it was made, originally what it was supposed to function, what it was supposed to look like. If we bring that into our world, when God created man... He created it. It was good. In Genesis chapter 1, 31, it says that when God sat back, He said that His creation was very good. It was good. But we all know the story that because of sin that came into the world, our nature, how we were created to be was broken down. And unfortunately, because of sin, we were separated from our original purpose, which was to be in relationship with God. So because of sin, the way we were created to be had now been broken down. So we have the old and we have the new. Other way around, isn't it? I'm looking at the screen behind me. We have the new and we have the old. See, what's happened is because of Jesus... We were able to be in our place of sin, which we've just read about in 2 Corinthians. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, He was able to restore us back to our original function, which was to be in relationship with God. So we have the old man broken down by sin. Old, if we talk about the nature of what that is, you know, we, 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 can, we lie, we, we are selfish, we, we are uh, self-driven. But because of what Christ has done, which we're about to look into, we are forgiven of our sins and are restored to the purpose that God has for us. So we have in this scripture the start of a statement that says the old has gone no more because of Jesus, we now move 
into the new. It's really ringing up here, Ben. I wanted to share with you guys a story about the old nature. I tried to think of an example of, uh, of the old nature. Now, here's the thing, is that we are, man, we have all fallen short of the grace of God. And because of that, none of us are perfect. And we all battle being men and women in our nature. We just battle. We can't change. We can't affect who we are. But because of Christ... We have been forgiven. We have been set free. I used to, as you've heard, I used to do nursing. And right back in the early days, I worked on, believe it or not, it was a dementia ward. And there was a young patient there that she was not actually that young, let's be honest, but she's young in spirit. She was quite old. Let's call her Betty so I don't use her name. Now, some of you may have heard this story before, but it actually really grew me as a nurse as far as what happened one day is I was, after you finished your first year nursing, you're allowed to do limited nursing. So I became a personal care attendant. So the guys that are in the old folks' homes uh, that are on specific wards that you go in and you help with personal care, that includes showering a person. I know that's scarring. Some of you may not be able to handle it, but that's what we did. So what happened is I walked into Betty's room. She had severe uh, dementia. It was very progressed. So she obviously had quite a severe deficit in her memory. So I walked into the room. I'm young. I've just started nursing. I am very excited to be helping her, which could be, I was. So I walk in and I say, hey, Betty, how are you? I get to help you through the shower today. So let's hop into the shower. So I go to put her into this shower chair. Now, a shower chair is a toilet seat with no bottom so that you can wheel them over the toilet. They can do what they've got to do. And then you can wheel them into the shower without needing to stand them up. So between me getting her onto the chair and beginning to remove clothes, she forgot why I was there. So all of a sudden in her world, there's a young man in the room taking off her clothes. So we all know what happened. She began to scratch and she began to punch and I'm inexperienced, so I'm ducking and weaving trying to explain to her, I'm your nurse, I have a badge. She didn't care about the badge. So I put a towel over her and I wheel her into the bathroom and I say, now you just stay there. I'm just going to make your bed. Calm down. It's going to make your bed. So turn around. Now as I'm making the bed, she has decided that she is going to poo into her hand and she's holding it like a tennis ball. I walk into the room and I pull back the slide door and she hurls this poo at me. And all of a sudden I moved into like the matrix. I was like, oh no, this is happening. And I slide the door closed and I was mortally offended. I was like, how could you throw poo at me? I am helping you. And I was incredibly offended. I was so offended. I thought, I am going to do like, I'm just going to hose you down and then I'm going to, that'll be done with you. But as I sat there and as I looked at her, this is what I realised. And this is the nature of the old man. She is in, she, because of the disease, the nature of who she is, she cannot get context to the situation. She cannot change the way she's feeling. She is not aware that she is even being the way she's being because of the nature of the disease. So because of that, I have the context. I then needed to give grace. 
Because I was aware, okay, because of the nature of what you're walking through, I need to give you grace. I need to to understand that it's not really who you are, but it's something that I have to deal with. See, what happens is as Christians, I'm finding that we still suffer with offence. For those that are in the workplace that might not know Christ, for those that are in our community that might not know Christ, but here's the thing, the nature of sin, they cannot change who they are. So in the context of knowing that and knowing where we stand in Christ, we should always be people that give grace because we are aware of what they're walking through. But see, what happened for us is through Christ and through having faith and accepting Him, we move into what Paul determines as the new man. This is a new way of thinking. This is a way of thinking where we're like, God, I'm going to give grace. I'm still working on what I am doing. I thank you that I know that this is my natural desire, but I'm going to put that aside and I'm not going to go there because I want to honour you with my life. And we keep moving forward and we keep growing So in the verse 12, it starts off, and here's the context to what's going on in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing a letter to actually defend his ministry. So people have risen that are like, okay, he said he was going to do certain things uh, and he hasn't done them yet because he'd been delayed. So they're attacking his ministry. They're uh, attacking his validity as an apostle and as uh, attacking the ministry that's with him. So because of that, he's writing this letter. But this is one of the concepts that we know we have to deal with. He's dealing with these guys. And the first point that I want to bring out this morning is this. Outward versus inward, which is the next slide, or look good or actually be good. Because what's happening for Paul is they're attacking his ministry. And this is his opening statement that he says in the verse that we're looking at. It's not his opening statement in the letter, but from the context of where we're reading, it says, We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those, now listen to this, who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. You see, you can look good and still have resent and still have bitterness. You can appear to be happy, but actually on the inside of you actually still be battling with a lot of sadness or depression. Now, that doesn't make you a good or bad person. But what I'm saying is that you can have the perception of looking righteous, but inside still dealing with a lot of sin. And the first thing that Paul is addressing here is that there are people out there that look at what is going on on the outside but are not so concerned with what is going on in the heart. The heart speaks to me of your motivation behind your action. The attitude of the believer. I don't just want to look good as a person in my appearance. I actually want to be from the inside out a person that makes God proud of who I am. But not just be good. Not just to have the appearance, but to actually be good. If you look in 1 Samuel 16, 7, this is what it says. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. 
The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, which is the same thing that Paul has just said in verse 12. He says, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Paul has said the same thing. We know that God looks at the heart. We know that He's the only one that does. But here's the thing. If God looks at me that way, I want to represent myself that way. And so should you. So we need to address the attitudes of the heart. The example that I want to give you guys is Lila, my youngest daughter, has been very different to the other two, uh, my Jai and Kiara, as far as eating. Kiara eats anything, Jai eats anything. We've really had to battle uh, with Lila, but we, we've been going and going and going. Now she's got to the place where she'll eat stuff. So we're trying to work on the heart of the matter now about being grateful for the fact that God provides food for us. So we're very big on, on you need to be grateful for what God, God has given you. So we go to my brother and sister-in-law's uh, the other day and they're carving up. Now it was a lamb, but it was a white meat. She's three. We'll give her a break. So she walks in the door and sees what they're cutting. And this is her opening se- sentence. Oh, no, not chicken. <laughs> now we've been working on her heart and saying, I wasn't happy with that. So as I was walking over to her to address what was going on, she realized what she had said. So she starts going to me, oh, no, 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 I love chicken. I love chicken. Now, she knew already at the age of three what it is to have the right appearance, but still reveal what it is in her heart. Are we often the same with God? Do we often walk into situations and go, this is great, but really inside we're saying to God, oh, no, not chicken. Oh, no, not that manager at work is on again. Oh, What's with this annoying chewing habit or something that you're working on, on the inside? You see, we can have the appearance, but what Paul is saying in this situation and and what we read in Samuel is that we're not interested so much in the outward appearance because God is interested in the heart. But we also know in Scripture that the Bible says that from the mouth, from the heart, the mouth speaks. See, here's the thing. When you look at these two vehicles, how do you know one's been restored and one isn't? It's very, very simple. One looks better. There's actually eventually an outward effect that takes hold. Because here's the thing is that when we begin to honour God with our life and begin to work on our heart, it'll eventually manifest itself in who you are. And the people around you will begin to notice. I am realising as I grow older that most of the battles that I fight on a day-to-day basis, and I believe it's for every person in this room, is not the battles people see. They're battles that are within you. So they're the battles that only God sees. And we need to win them. We need to lean into God, lean into what He's done for us. Because Paul is about to go into why we are new creations. He, he gives a few of the attributes of, of why we do that. So I would encourage you guys always today to be working on your heart because God sees it. Work on it. It doesn't matter if right now no one knows that they've been forgiven by you or no one knows that you've let something go, but God knows and eventually it's going to flow out of who you are in fruits of the Spirit and in gentleness and in things that God's going to begin to pour blessing on your life. So I encourage you 
always be looking at your heart. I've written here, so put every effort into what only God sees first and foremost. And then from that place, the change will occur. From that place, the world will see. My second point I want to talk to you guys, when we look at the old man, will be self. When we look at the new man, we talk about selflessness. It says this in verse 14, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It speaks here of your life's focus, and I know that uh, Greg spoke on it earlier already. The, the, The key Indicator to, I believe, a person following Jesus is that they have an outward focus. Actually, Ross, who spoke on it. I love the statement that as you pray for others, God will begin to take care of you. That's because you're honouring a principle that Jesus lived by. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And as a new creation, we are that way because of Christ and because of Christ's work in us. So why wouldn't that begin to flow naturally out of who we are? But what I love is that at the opener of verse 14, it says this, For Christ's love compels us. Compelled by love. Pushed forward by love. You know, Lockie's a man. I just had a just thought just then. Lockie was compelled by love towards Tegan Watson and yesterday got down on one knee. And I think she said yes because she's smiling. <laughs> compelled by love. He said to me, I was a mess all, all week at work. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't think of anything. He was supposed to play guitar today, but got his bro Geordie to fill in because he couldn't concentrate because he was compelled <laughs> by love. <laughs> oh, you're compelled, brother. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> the other day I went into uh, the city with April. And a couple of our uh, really close friends that, from Geelong that I grew up with. And as we were walking down the city, I, I uh, saw a man there. And um, he's a homeless man. Um, and, and something within me felt compelled to try and help this guy. I wasn't in a position to at that moment and I wished I had, a, had a been able to do more for him. But in that moment, there was something that rose up within me that was compelled by God's love for me to help this man. I didn't want to give him money because I wasn't sure how he would use it. I I didn't know whether he wanted to have a conversation with me because he didn't really want to talk. But I was compelled by love to do something. So I bought him a meal. I did something. I look at the guys that work in the end office at this church, uh, Nathan and Jordan, and and they work for Destiny Rescue and they work hard and they work long hours, but they don't just do it because it's a job, because they know that the foundation of what they are doing is enabling young women to have a future. Because of that, they are compelled to keep going, to keep trying. We should be compelled by Christ's love. We should be. 
It says there that Christ's love compels us and then it moves forward to say, therefore, that's why we live for Him who died for us and not ourselves. The next question that I pondered as I prepared this week is who am I actually living for? Because often we find that we so naturally want to live for ourselves, which is the old man. But because of what Jesus did, I am a new creation. It says the old is gone. I now live for him who set me free. Tegs, I might get you to come up. Point three, and probably what's most important to us all, is that because of Christ, we were reconciled to God. We were brought back into right standing, able to have the benefits of a relationship with our Creator. We were broken and now restored. Or as Paul puts it, we were old and now we're new. I have, over the past two years, gone to a camp uh, with a year eight group that I helped run a program with. And at this camp, they have this high ropes course. Has anybody ever done one or seen a high ropes course? They are petrifying. The first year I went, I had the worst prepared sermon ever. I preached to the kids with passion about stepping out of your comfort zone. I am petrified of heights. Two or three steps up a ladder, I am literally scared. So I preach this sermon with passion and then the next day I'm standing in front of this ropes course and they're like, get out of your comfort zone, Charles. So I get up to the top. This is two years ago. I get on the platform. The guy that's running it sees me. He goes, this is a massive win for you, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, I'm getting down. But I got up the, I got up the ladder, which was massive for me, massive. The next year, I knew we were at the camp at the same spot. I picked a much better sermon before, let me just tell you that much. But what happened is we went and we were off to the high ropes course and I began to get the sweaty palms again. And and the guy that ran it the previous year was the same guy. And he quickly saw, realised it was me. He goes, oh, I remember you from this group last year. So this year I got up the ladder and onto the platform. And as soon as I was on there, he hooked me up to this extra harness. And he says, I want you to dangle in the air above the platform. He goes, not off the platform, just on the platform. So I picked myself up and I began to dangle off the platform and, and it was taking my weight very easily. There was no concern. He says, this is the rope that holds you up. He said, you can put your faith in this rope. Bounce around. Do what you ever need to do to try it out. Try it. See what happens. But it will hold you up. You are safe. Because of the faith that I had in the rope system, I was able to step out and I was able to walk across what's called the, uh, I think it's called the postman's walk and come back. And I got down and I was such an advocate for the ropes course. I'm like, this is a growing experience. This is good. Get up there. Step out of your comfort zone. I brought that one back out. But because I had my faith in something, I was able to overcome a situation I never could. See, the man, he saw me. He saw a situation I could never overcome. He said, put your faith in something. And because I put my faith in that rope, I was able to overcome something I never could. You see, it's the same with God. That's the gospel message. God saw us in our state of sin. 
He knew we could not overcome that. So He sent His Son, Jesus, for us to put our faith in because we know that when we believe in Him, And when we ask for forgiveness, we're set free. We're able to overcome a situation we never could have without Him. We're all restored to God, reconciled to God, made new. And then this is what it says. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And as He committed to us the message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. There's three things that happen in that Scripture. It says that God sent Jesus. It says Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And now it says we should be His ambassadors. God has done such a great work for us. We should never forget what He's done. You should be proud to be His ambassadors. There was obviously some sort of... um, uh, What's it called? I've forgotten the name when you got a, you fill in a survey and they're asking, they ask people in Kiara's grade, who is a Christian, a consensus. And Kiara says to me, it was so good, Dad, I put up two hands. She's proud to be an ambassador of Christ. She's proud to represent what she believes in, so am I. But often we get caught up We might get caught up in the heart. That's why I I, I encourage you to reflect on your heart attitude. I wanna encourage you guys to iron out whatever is going on in your heart so that God, when He sees you, sees a person humbled, sees a person in love with God. Because He'll use that. Often we get those feelings in our heart because is our focus on ourself? Who are you living for? Day to day, moment by moment, are you living for the one who set you free? Because from the right heart and the right action, we can be His ambassadors and He will use us. But we need to be willing. You are new creations. People don't want to be in the old state. They want to be in the new state. There is a desire, there is a void in everybody's heart and you carry the answer. It says that you are His ambassador. You carry the reconciliation ministry to tell people what Jesus has done. Why wouldn't you want to anchor yourself to Jesus? You know, I love that, you know, Pastor Nick, he spoke on last week and we can talk about that when you anchor yourself, it creates stability to launch from. Stability in heart and in mind and in purpose for the one who set you free. Amen. Let's pray just for a minute. Why don't we stand as we pray? Lord, I thank You 
And today we choose to remember your work on the cross. Because of what you have done, Lord, you restored us to our original purpose, Lord, to be able to be in relationship with the Most High God. I thank you that no matter how far broken down, how far we've gone, how embittered we may have become or selfish, Lord God, I, or, or, or even, Lord, far worse than that, I thank you that Jesus can restore all. Beyond the nature that they don't even realise they're in, you can still restore and set free and bring healing. Bring joy. Bring a plan and a purpose. I thank you, Lord, that we are new creations. But Lord, I pray right now that every person as we walk through those doors out of this auditorium understand that they are an ambassador for Christ. They walk out if you're knowing they represent the King of Kings and that there is a, there is a ministry on their life for those that are broken down to be restored to you. Lord, I pray for boldness, for boldness. Let them be ambassadors with boldness. Lord God, because we know that it is You that does the work. But we need to be obedient. I pray that every person right now in this place, Lord God, just as they reflect on their heart, who they live for and that they are an ambassador, I just pray that you will encourage them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will empower them to be witnesses in their workplaces, in their homes, to their spouse, to their children, to their neighbour, Lord God, to their school teacher, Lord, whoever it is in their community, let them be an example for you, for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't He? Hey, why don't you guys stick around, have a coffee. Uh, for those of you that are visiting today, there will be people in the Connect Corner at the back. Uh, we can, we'll give you a free coffee voucher. We just want to connect with you, know who you are. Enjoy the long weekend and be blessed. See you next week.